0: Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word,
1: and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. And welcome to another episode of The Pew. (gasps) (gasps) We debuted this recurring feature back in October of last year. And now that the holidays are over, it is time to bring it back. On each episode of The Pew, Amy and I will collect a few trending topics that we'll share with you and react to. It's kind of like a, a non-annoying Christian version of The View. All of the joy, <laughs> none of the Behar. Amen. We call, yeah, we call it The Pew, not only because it will bear a slight resemblance to The View, but because it's sort of like our view from The Church Pew on these stories. Yeah, that's right. And we've got some very
0: thought-provoking stories coming your way tonight. But first up, we do want to say thank you to a couple of wonderful listeners who left us a five-star review and some very kind comments on iTunes. Uh, Our first listener says, Wonderful podcast with biblical advice for women. You leave feeling convicted and edified in Christ from these biblically literate sisters in Christ. Well, thank you. And uh, our second listener said this, Thank you for your faithfulness. I just came across this podcast, and it's been so encouraging so far. I love how you support your convictions with Scripture. Well, we do try to do that, but thank you for your kind words. And finally, I want to share one from uh, Grana. Uh, Grana left us a four-star review and said, Love Amy and Michelle. Thank you for the episodes regarding pro-life versus abolition. As someone who worked in the established pro-life community for many years, I appreciate and strongly support the abolition movement. I could never understand understand why those who say they were pro-life did not. Well, Grana, I can't either. Um it, it's almost like abolitionists or you know abolitionists uh, were painted with a a, a wingnut brush or something like that, which is very unfortunate. But anyway, <laughs> Granna, thank you so much for your kind and encouraging ratings and reviews all all of you ladies who did that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate, uh, what the second listener said. And I totally understand what she meant. But I just want to clarify real quick. We don't support our convictions with scripture. We go to scripture to find out what our convictions should be. And that's what we want to mm, yes. encourage you to, uh, to do also. And it's, it's kind of what this episode is about tonight. Let's start off with this item about Jackie Hill Perry. Several weeks ago, Jackie posted a video to her Instagram stories in which she repudiated the Enneagram. Let's listen to part of that. And we also want to thank our friend Katie for having her wits about her and recording this off of Jackie's Instagram stories before it disappeared. Because Instagram stories disappear within 24 hours. So thank you, Katie. So let's give this a listen.
2: I was really skeptical and have been for some years when people were saying that the Enneagram was demonic. Cause I, I do feel like sometimes people can be way too deep, but the Lord prompted me to study that thing for a good two days. Evil, <laughs> and it ain't even funny. Like it's legitimately doctrines of demons, divination, witchcraft. And I just, I I had no idea. No idea. More thing and then I'm done. Okay, so one of the dudes who was the originator of the contemporary understanding of Enneagram as we know it, he said that he got his information about it through uh, an angelic visitation from a spirit or divine being named Metatron, which we know is a demon. And then um, the other guy who created the types He said on YouTube that he uh, got his understanding or the wisdom of types through through automatic writing, which is a form of channeling spirits where a demon basically guides your hand or guides your mind to help you write down certain ideas. So when we say, oh, I'm type one, type two, type three, whatever, we're literally applying to our identity the wisdom of demons like it. It's literally that deep. And I, I had, yeah. Chile. In America, Chile, yeah. yeah. So that yeah. came from my own observation. But mostly from automatic writing.
1: It automatic came, writing?
2: Yeah, it came to me. <laughs> and I was telling Preston, part of this is, I've talked about enneagram on several occasions and so part of me feels a responsibility to renounce it publicly and to yeah bring attention to the demonic nature
1: amy what's your reaction to that
0: well, when I first heard it a few weeks ago and then listening to it again just now, um, it, it, I mean, I'm glad that she did that, uh, at least for her. And she has quite a fan base. Uh, ladies, for those of you who don't know, she's a, a blogger and a speaker and, um, uh, she's got quite a, a following there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I there there's something that uh she said something about how uh scripture you know is is kind of elevated sometimes too high by christians michelle am i am I listening to that correctly
1: is that is that your impression of what she said Well, you know, she said at the beginning, she said something like, I do feel that people can be way too deep.
0: And I
1: think I understand what she means. I think she's talking about people who like see the devil under every doily, you know, kind of like the type Mm, of the type of people who think that and I'm just making this up. But they would think things like, well, because John MacArthur buys his fresca at the same grocery store as Benny Hinn, then that means that John MacArthur is violating scripture by partnering Uh with Benny Hinn, you know. But that's not going too deep, like she said. That's going off the deep end. You know, that's being unbiblical. But, um, well, let me just say something there, because,
0: um yeah, she Jackie Hill Perry has partnered with some of the worst uh wolves, and I'm not has. just talking about yeah not but not guilt by association, but guilt by affiliation, right. and there's a huge difference. We have to really choose who we partner with in ministry very carefully,
1: yeah, we absolutely do, and that's that's one of the reasons you know, um that she still shouldn't be followed, you know. Th- no. We, <laughs> she, it's really great that she, um, renounced the Enneagram, but that doesn't make her yeah. doctrinally sound. It doesn't make her somebody that you should follow. She still teaches other false doctrine that she hasn't repented of like yoking with false teachers. You know, we, we just mentioned that she also preaches to men and she's bought mm-hmm. into critical race theory and, and some other racial things, you know, um, and until she completely repents of all of her false teaching, she's not somebody you should follow or receive teaching from. But we do hope this repudiation of the Enneagram is just the first step in many more, uh, many more repudiations of false doctrine yeah. to come. Yeah. But I do want to get back to, you know, this thing about going too deep, um, c- because we can never, we can never go too deep into God's word or into yeah. obeying God's word. Going past um, God's Word and, and making a law where there is no law or making man-made laws that you try to bind other people to, that's not going too deep. That's being legalistic, and legalism is false doctrine. But she probably thinks that people who, quote, go too deep are the people who have told her that she needs to repent of preaching to men and yoking with false teachers and racism. You know, that's Telling someone that, that they need to be obedient to God's word, that's not going too deep. That's telling someone they need to be obedient to God's word. So I just want to add this to what she said. In addition to publicly renouncing and warning against the Enneagram for the sake of her followers, she needs to privately repent and you know if she hasn't done that already and ask god's forgiveness for holding these false beliefs about the Enneagram in the first place and for dishonouring God um, by teaching those false beliefs. Remember in Psalm 51 when David said to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That's what he's talking about. When we sin, we may be sinning against other people, yes, but first and foremost, we've sinned against God. So, um, those are all just some things to think about, I think, you know, and, uh, and to remember when we're, um, thinking about Jackie Hill Perry and the things that she teaches and, and just hopefully that she will come around and start renouncing some of those other false doctrines that she's yeah. guilty of.
0: And, and you know, Michelle, we probably should remind our listeners, if they're new to our uh, podcast, they haven't listened to many of our uh, older episodes, uh, we've warned several times about why the Enneagram is unbiblical, uh, why it is New Age sorcery. And uh, I'm going to uh, make sure that we have those links in uh, our show notes today, because you're going to want to take a listen and we ha- did a couple of programs one of them we interviewed uh Marsha Montenegro uh she's with Christian answers for the new age so uh ladies you're going to want to listen to that one in particular uh if you have dabbled in the enneagram and uh, we'd love to hear from you if uh if that's happening in your church uh, i i know businesses do it you know companies will do that with their employees but some churches are doing it too so uh we want to we want to hear from you if that's happening and and just help you kind of out of that well, here's our next story of the night. Uh, this one also contains something to listen to. Um, mega church pastor Andy Stanley on gay Christians. And I'm going to put that in bunny ears, okay? Uh, so um, I want to point out that uh, Andy Stanley has come out uh, in favor of gay Christianity, uh, if there is such a thing. And uh, it, it should not be a surprise because um, his stance on homosexuality goes way back more than a decade. Andy Stanley, of course, is the pastor at North Point Church. It's very large. And uh, back in April of 2020, so that was more than ten years ago. He was rightly criticized for a sermon illustrating uh, illustration involving a uh, gay couple who wanted to volunteer in his church. Um, Stanley at that time labeled uh the adultery but not homosexuality a sin and uh, andy Andy Stanley is the son of Charles Stanley, who you may be familiar with and uh in a video that we're going to play for you in just a minute here um uh, it was recently leaked uh, a few weeks ago from his conference last year called Drive 22. And he talked again about how uh, homosexual people who want to come to church and who love Jesus have far more faith than people who are not homosexual. Pretty pretty big statement there. And he calls the verses in God's Word uh, that talk about homosexuality being a sin, the clobber verses as in we use those verses to clobber people over the head, which is uh, pretty, pretty strange. But let's take a listen to uh, this audio clip from Andy Stanley.
3: Figure out how to get straight people as excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm A gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community? I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm going to try it anyway. What? Have you ever done that as a straight person? Where do you go that you're not sure you're gonna be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place, I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church. Oh my goodness. I know first Corinthians six and I know Leviticus and I know Romans one. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father, who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God? We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who wanna worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? We gotta figure this out. And you know what? I think you are.
0: So he's saying, yeah, 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 I know about those verses, but, you know, so that it's that but that's the problem. Andy Stanley is the same pastor, by the way, who also famously said a few years ago that we should unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. You know, those are the same breathed out words of God. And yes, Jesus thought the Old Testament was pretty important. Um, You know, we might think instead about unhitching ourselves from Andy Stanley. You know, Someone recently asked me, Michelle, Why do you share his stuff? Well, because he still has a huge following, and I I just, you know, and both of us care about the sheep uh, to hope and pray that the Lord will open their eyes to this unbiblical nonsense. What are your thoughts on all of this?
1: Yeah, of course we need to keep um, sharing his stuff and warning people about him, because um, he is a really big name, and not only are a lot of people um, just individuals, people in his church, whatever are being deceived by the false things that he teaches. But he is also a very prolific author and has written a lot of stuff on church leadership, um, like Christian living books and things like that. And for at least for a while, Lifeway was really was carrying his stuff and really heavily promoting it. I don't know if they still carry him or not. I haven't looked recently, but I would imagine that they do. Um, so, yeah, it's really important because not only – this isn't just – an issue of individual, like with, with people like Beth Moore, you know, we worry about the individual women that are being affected by her, but this is much more, you know, a lot of pastors listen to Andy Stanley. And so it's affect it's infecting local churches um, much more on, on that level than somebody like say a Beth Moore. Um, so, yeah, and you're right. He has been, unsound for a very long time that that thing that you were referencing about the homosexual couple in his church um that that was a really really long time ago so he is you know He's, he's just been off the reservation for a long time. And I I don't know that he was
0: ever on the reservation.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) think you're right.
0: Yeah. And, and I often say (laughs) that wolves in sheep's clothing uh, do not evolve into sheep. You know, there are, there are sheep. He's, he's had plenty of chance to show that he's really not a wolf, but he just doesn't do it.
1: Right. And, you know, a lot of times when I say something about Andy Stanley and the fact that he's a false teacher and or maybe something false that he teaches, a lot of times I'll get the comment, um, what do you think his dad thinks about him? Or yeah. why isn't it his dad doing his dad is Charles Stanley, who a lot of people like, you know, I, I think Charles Stanley is kind of shallow. He's I've never heard him say anything, you know, like heretical or anything like that. But he's just you know, not the deepest guy you could listen to. And uh, it doesn't really matter what Charles Stanley thinks about
2: <laughs> Andy right, Stanley
1: right. or whether he approves or disapproves or has tried. Hopefully he has tried to correct him. And I think he has over. you know, in the past over the years. But um, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Andy Stanley is a false teacher, whether Charles Stanley, no matter what Charles yeah. Stanley thinks about it. So. All right. Well, here is our next story. Speaking of Beth Moore. Recently, she posted a very long tweet thread. and All of her tweet threads are very long in which she had this. to. Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole thing. But she had this to say in that long tweet thread about. Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. She was commenting on that. And she said, for the life of me, I don't get the appeal of Jonathan Edwards to many. And she quotes from his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. She says, uh, she quotes that here. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. You are 10,000 times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful, venomous serpent is in ours. I get that Edwards is talking to those who do not look to Christ for salvation, but I'm just saying, I was so broken and self-loathing and ensnared in my sins, such preaching would have made me feel like dying, like running away, not running toward God. I would have wondered how he could go straight to loving someone like a son after he had abhorred him like a spider. What drew me to God was merciful, beautiful Jesus. Jesus, who could tell you everything you'd ever done, yet somehow in doing so be a light with such holy love towards you that his confrontation gives you the dignity you need to feel like maybe in him, in his eyes, you're worth saving. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm not, I'm no big theologian. I have never agreed with her more than that statement right there. Uh, I'm no big theologian, <laughs> but I just don't think you're a spider. And I don't think God abhors you. So, Amy, when you saw that on Twitter, what did you think? Well...
0: Usually when things are really quiet and, uh, people aren't paying attention to Beth Moore, she'll come out and tweet something that, uh, is sure to get a lot of comments. And this was, uh, no exception. Uh, and, and I saw this. I saw people, you know, uh, going back and forth on this and talking about how, you know, quoting the verses that say, you know, we are, we are sinners and God's, God hates sin, uh, very much, uh, so much that he, uh, sent his only son to to take God's wrath for sin. That's how much God hates sin, but he loved us while we still hated him. Uh, So uh, kind of things were going back and forth. And I thought, Beth, why are you doing this? You know, why are you, uh, why? I I don't know. What what did you think of this?
1: Well, you know, Edward's description of God's wrath against sinners is a garden party compared to God's actual wrath against sin and sinners. We ought to be thanking Edwards for doing his best to try to describe the fate that awaits us all without Christ so that we would flee to the cross and throw ourselves on the mercy of Christ, begging his forgiveness for our sins. That was Edwards' purpose and goal. Just because it hurts Beth's feelings doesn't mean it isn't true. And, you know, if you have to face that kind of wrath, you're going to look back on on. Edwards' comments and go. Oh, I should have had to, I should have listened. Um, I should have heeded that warning. And then also, you know, keep in mind if you've ever read uh, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and we've got a link in the show notes where you can go read it. Um, you'll read where Edwards does talk about the grace and mercy of God, but Beth failed to mention that in her. In yeah, her right. And
0: she took she took it out of context, is what happened, she and did. Uh, and that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah she just has a hard time with the wrath of God. And I'm sorry to say one time, if she doesn't repent of her sin and trust Christ and believe the biblical gospel, she is going to face that wrath of God one day. Um, And I I shudder to think what she is going to face. And it's not going to be just a description in words of God's God's wrath, like Edward's description. It is going to be God's actual wrath, which is so much worse than Edward's description. But she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't like Edward's tone. She doesn't like him talking about God's wrath because they offend her sensibilities. But, the, you know, this is really interesting here. If you've ever studied his sermon, like we had to study um, that sermon in high school. I went to a Christian high school, but we had to study it in English class. And, um, you know, we studied the history behind it and everything. And I was just reading back on on some of that today. And here's something that our, our listeners might find really interesting. We've got a link to this in the show notes. Jonathan Edwards preached this sermon in the middle of the Great Awakening in Enfield, Connecticut. And people were getting saved in droves all over the place. But Enfield in particular was a place that was hostile to the gospel. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to hear it. Um, people showed up, but they were rude and they weren't paying attention and and all that. And then Edwards stepped into the pulpit to preach. And but when he preached, sinners in the hands of an angry God in Enfield, and he got to the part about God's wrath. You know, the part that Beth didn't like. They didn't feel like dying or running away instead of running to God. They didn't say, "Hey, Edwards, watch your tone. You're being too harsh. This is hurting my feelings." You know what happened? Edwards could not even finish the sermon because of people shrieking and weeping in repentance over their sin. It was just too loud for him to continue preaching. And so he stepped off the platform and he and some of the other pastors that were there gathered up little groups of people who were trying to repent and and prayed with them. And a lot of people got saved. And I just thought, you know, when was the last time you ever saw people repenting over their sin like that at a Beth Moore event? So, yeah, what a stark contrast. I,
0: um, yeah. wow, that was a time in our history. I would have liked to have seen that to have been a, a spider on yeah. the wall, so <laughs> to speak, just to see, uh, and hear that sermon. I would have loved that. But, uh, yeah, that, that is something. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to our next story. Um, this is what the headline said. I saw this today. It says this Oxford dictionary added NB turf, and more than a dozen new LGBTQ plus words in 2022. Quite a headline. And uh, so why share a headline like this? Why share a story if it's not related to Christianity? Because listeners, the enemy of our souls can do a lot of sheep shearing simply by changing our everyday language. I have a link to this article in the show notes. Got to warn you, though, word of caution. The source is called Pink News, which is obviously not a Christian publication. So gird your loins. Uh, I do like to get news straight from the original source so I don't mix it up. I, I go right to the links in in stories like this. Um, and this this particular story does have links to the Oxford Dictionary where you can view those definitions if you like. Um, some of these, though, I cannot even read here on our program because they are not appropriate for us or for you to listen to. Uh, but the first new word uh in 2022 is LGBTQ, uh, and that stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. And it was just added just a short while ago in September, along with words like tea house. And that means a public toilet used by men to engage in or solicit sexual activity with other men. Um, and I, I feel, uh, you know, just, I'm skating to the edge here, just even describing that. Uh, Then there's the entry for something called TERF. Uh, Have you heard
1: of heard of TERF, Michelle? I think I have heard of that acronym before, yes.
0: Yeah, uh, TERF, T-E-R-F. It means Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminist. The definition says this. Originally used within the radical feminist movement, TERF is now typically regarded as derogatory. All right, so other words, N B, not envy, NB uh, e-n-b-y, and that is short for someone who is non-binary, uh, was also added, that word was also added along with gender affirming, that's a new word, uh, which is one of four new sub-entries for the noun gender. Now, this Oxford English Dictionary defines gender affirming as an adjective that, quote, validates or confirms a person's gender and, quote, enables a person, especially a transgender person, to live according to their gender identity. Oh boy. Okay, so ladies, you can go to the link and you can look at the other words if you have the stomach for it. Now, why are these words important for us as Christians if we're not even going to be using them? Well, because whoever controls the vernacular controls the way our minds as a society think. Do you ever wonder why the homosexual community rarely uses the word homosexual? Well, Christians use that word. The Bible uses that word. But the rest of the world, including the news media, public schools, and so forth, use gay affirming or words like that. It's softer. It's considered more acceptable. And so many Christians are now using softer and more acceptable language as well. And it's all part of our ever shape-shifting world. And if you don't understand or mis- un- misuse these words, uh, you're probably going to be canceled or worse. And we all know what happens to anyone who misgenders someone by calling a boy a boy or a girl a Girl. So, Michelle, what do you think of these new words?
1: Well, you're absolutely right, Amy. Whenever there's an agenda that Satan wants to push, the first thing he attacks about it is our language. Uh, that's Correct. his first step. You know, he he tries to uh, – because the the reason that he does that is because we think in language. When you think yeah. a thought, you are thinking language. You're thinking in language. You're thinking in words. And, um, so if he can change the definitions of words, he, that's a way he can get into your brain with, you know, with new definitions of, of words and, and look, another thing that he can do, I, I'm personally not going to go look up these, these words because I just, I don't need those really graphic images in my mind, things that I don't know about and it's better that I don't know about, um, I just, I don't need that in my head. And, but that's another thing. That's another way he can, and I'm not saying other people can't, but that's another way that he can get into your brain, you know, putting thing, thoughts in your head that you never even conceived of before and shouldn't. right So, um, well, and those thoughts, those words are going to be part of
0: school curriculums. They're, yeah. you know, eventually your, your children and grandchildren will begin using their words like they're nothing. Yeah. So um, it, it's good for us to at least, Unfortunately, we have to kind of be educated so that we can steer them back to the true Word of God and what these concepts really are doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's really a shame that... um, that the world is going the way that it's going these days it's yes. it's awful. I'm I'm kind of curious why they limited uh LGBTQ to LGBTQ doesn't it have like six other letters and a plus <laughs> sign and a pound sign and a yeah. exclamation point or something at the <laughs> Little end of emojis. it?
0: emojis. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, it changes every once in a while so it's it very does. hard to keep up but
1: <laughs> yeah, oh it's yeah. crazy.
0: It's very sad.
1: All righty, well here's my last story for the night. If Gathering is coming up March 3rd and 4th, and there's probably a church near you that's simulcasting it. Hopefully not your own church. Um, if you're not familiar with If Gathering or its founder, Jenny Allen, here's what you need to know in a nutshell. You need to stay far, far, far away from If Gathering, okay? If, if you've ever wondered why it's called If Gathering, well, the story goes that Jenny Jenny Allen, the founder, was awakened in the night by a voice from the sky. That's her words, not mine. <laughs> and this voice from the sky told her to gather and equip your generation. And she wasn't sure if that was God or not, which is one of the main reasons that extra biblical revelation, you know, God told me, God showed me in a dream, whatever. The extra extra-bibli- biblical revelation is unbiblical. But the question came to her, if God is real then what? And so that's what if gathering is based on. That's their theme. That's why if their God names is real, with their yeah. name. Yeah. If God is real, then what? And that's a question no believer should ever ask and no Christian event should ever be predicated on because if you're a believer, you already know God is real. You can't be a believer without believing God is real. Right. So she started this women's conference. And I mean, I guess men can attend too if they want to. And she started inviting all sorts of of biblically unsavory characters for its leadership team and to to speak at these annual gatherings, namely false teachers and women who pretend to be pastors and women who preach to men. In its early days, the the, uh, IF leadership team included, among others, Melissa Green, who is a homosexuality advocate and female, quote-unquote, pastor, Jen Hatmaker, who many of our listeners will know has since that time come out in, strongly in favor of homosexuality. Bianca Oldhoff and Voskamp, Lauren Chandler, that's Matt Chandler's wife. Angie Smith, a lot of our readers, or excuse me, our listeners may be surprised to know she is the wife of Todd Smith, who is the lead singer of the Christian group Selah or Selah, however they pronounce it. Uh, And since its founding in 2014, some of the speakers at IF have included all of the women I just named from the leadership team, Lisa Turkhurst, Jill Briscoe, Christine Kane, Sarah Bessie, who is a self-described female preacher and the author of the book, Jesus Feminist, Beth Moore, Latasha Morrison, who is a so-called diversity expert and the author of the book, Be the Bridge. Kay Warren, who is Rick Warren's wife, Jackie Hill Perry, Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke, Matt and Lauren Chandler, Ellie Holcomb, Sadie Robertson-Huff, Christy Knuckles, Ruth Chow Simons, Johnny erickson Tata, who should have had way more discernment than to speak at this thing, and also David Platt, who, who also should have had more, more discernment than to speak at this thing, but unfortunately has been going downhill for the last several years. And then, like I said, also many women who pretend to be pastors. And this year, they're going to have mostly the same speakers they've had before, but according to the website, they're not done adding speakers yet. So who knows who else will show up. Ladies, you need to stay far away from this thing. It's it's a Baal worship convention is what it is. I know you probably think that that's harsh language, but I'm just, you know, I'm I'm channeling my inner Jonathan Edwards here. <laughs> okay, if we can use the common vernacular channeling, like yeah. that. Um it's it is not a Christian event. It is it is an unbiblical event. If your church is taking a group to attend in person or holding a simulcast like unfortunately my previous church is doing. Take the information we're going to provide in the show notes and go kindly and politely talk to your women's ministry director or whoever's in charge of IF at your church. And if she won't listen to you, work your way up the chain of command until somebody does listen to you and puts a stop to it or until you get to your pastor. And if you get all the way up to your pastor and he defends IF gathering, or if he doesn't at least say something like, this is bad, but it's already planned, but don't worry, I'm not letting this happen next year. If he doesn't at least say something like that, it's probably time to start looking for a new doctrinally sound church. Amy, anything you'd like to add? Uh, no, I, I I really appreciate your research
0: into this, Michelle. And I know, and I can tell the ladies, Michelle has researched this for years and years and years. And uh, many years ago, um, I hadn't heard of IF, but I was just kind of starting out in, in kind of writing about these things. And uh, I was looking it up, I was trying to figure out what is this IF conference, because it was happening uh, close to my home as well in some churches up here in northern Wisconsin. And uh, I came across your blog. And uh, I thought I need to Meet Michelle Leslie because she really knows a lot about this. And you, you know, all your stories are very well linked. Your research is solid. And uh, so I really appreciate all the work you've done over the years to warn people about if.
1: Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> ah. Well, here's the final story we wanted to share
0: with you. Got to leave you on kind of an, uh, a, a good positive note here. Uh, and that is that there is going to be, for the first time, a G3 Women's Expository Teaching Workshop. And, uh, the, the Debbie Downer of it all is that Michelle has just informed me that this workshop is, uh, now sold out. So, ah, I, I guess that went a, f- a few days and, uh, very quietly launched and, and, uh, unfortunately there's no seats left. But, uh, you know, we, ladies, the whole point of being discerning, um, is to learn from conferences that are biblically solid. Learn from your pastor, who we hope is biblically solid. Learn, first and foremost, from the Word of God, because that's where uh, we get discernment. Um, we don't want to obviously get wrapped up in who all the false teachers are and who might be the Antichrist. Not that there is anything wrong with being discerning or warning people about false teachers who are causing divisions in the church. Uh, uh, there is no need to ever feel guilty about speaking truth about things like that, as long as the focus in our Christian walk is our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we we need to put Him first in prayer, in the study of the Word, in evangelism, just like we talked about in our Holy Habits for the New Year episodes that uh, aired last month. But there is this wonderful... Um, workshop it's not a conference it's a workshop and it's coming up in June 2023 like i said it is sold out but perhaps they'll open up some more sessions at some point i hope they do it's this uh G3 women's expository teaching workshop ladies only and guess what michelle and i have both decided lord willing that we are going to be there. Michelle's driving. I'm flying. And, um, it, it was probably, what was it, Michelle, three or four years, four years ago now that you and I first met at a women's conference. Not that one, but, um, that that's how we met. That's how this podcast was born. So, um, I'm just really excited to uh, get to see you again, my sister and uh, a few other ladies who've said that they've signed up. So. Uh yeah sorry sorry to report that it's uh sold out but we do we do want to let you know that there are good conferences that we need to do our research um and when Michelle and I hear of such conferences and opportunities we will definitely let you know.
1: Yeah, it really is a shame that this one is sold out, Amy. I mean, um you know, it's going to be such a great a great workshop and and we really they're really, like you said, there are not enough good conferences and workshops for godly, discerning, doctrinally sound women. And this is going to be one of them. Hopefully, this is just going to be the first of many that they will hold, you know, in the years to come. So really keep an eye out and follow G3 Ministries, uh, you know, follow their web. Their website is g 3 dot. Org. I think it's dot org, um, but we'll have a we'll have a link in the uh, show notes for you about that. And just watch for hopefully the next one to pop up, and maybe you can go. I know they've they've been holding these um, expository teaching workshops for men and pastors for a long time. And I've, I've heard the comments from some of the men who have gone to those and they, you know, they've said how excellent it is. And, and, you know, the way that they teach you to handle scripture correctly and teach scripture correctly is by taking a passage of scripture and having you teach it, you know, and so they base it on different books of the Bible or passages of scripture that they, they use to teach from. So some of the men have been to several different ones and they've really enjoyed it. So keep an eye out in the future. And if, you know, if God willing, if they will hold some more in the future, you really want to go if you, especially if you teach like a women's Bible study, a Sunday school class, if you are discipling another woman, even if you're just teaching your children the Bible in your home every day or during homeschooling or whatever, whatever. Um, it'll be really, really helpful. Or even if you're just studying the Bible on your own, I think it'll be really helpful as well. So keep an eye out for that in the future. You bet. Well, Michelle, that, that was a lot of The Pew. <laughs> Some of them were really
0: stinky, but, uh, others were good. And so real, really ladies, we want you to, uh, check out our show notes because we've got a lot on there this time. And, uh, that's going to wrap things up for another episode of The Pew on a word fitly spoken. What did you think, listeners? Sound off on our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram pages or leave us a, what, well, what we hope will be a five star review and uh, an encouraging comment or two on iTunes. Podbean, or wherever you listen to A Word Fitly Spoken. We're on uh, most of them, I think. And uh, don't forget to check out all of our resources at awordfitlyspoken.life.
1: And until next time, keep your focus on the good news of Jesus and walk worthy.